Excellent. Maximilian Fritschel. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How about yes. yourself? Let me just introduce Maximilian Johannes Fritschel for the folks. Maximilian, skateboarder, album collector, fashion designer, business owner, and then some. Maximilian Fritscher, the multi-hyphenate, coalesces Bahamian and German culture like a maestro and still, somehow, maintains a genuine and humble air about himself. Maximilian, how do you do it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Saying all those things about me, I'm like, well... I may have done all those things, but I feel like all those things. Yeah, but I totally get it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just do what I'm passionate about. And uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people let their, the titles that led them, the titles that were led from their passions influence their personality. But it's, you keep it about the passion. In Definitely. Itself. Like, I try to take myself out of the equation. I try to let my work speak for itself. Like even though all of my work is very personal, Mm -hmm. it's not about proliferating myself. Like it's just, it's about the work that I do and not the fact that I did it. Yes. You don't focus on the the ego in itself. Yeah. With the, like the image in your head of what the work is. Yeah. Like for example, the store, the store is a very me, the t-shirts I design, like they're all very personal, but Mm. To me, this store is about creating a space for skate culture in the Bahamas and not about me creating a brand that is my brand. Right. I've seen a lot of people go down that road. Uh, Do you feel like your image of what the skate shops is in your head complete or is there still work to be done? Mm, There's definitely potential for more to be done. Like Mm. there's more ideas I want to do, more stuff I want to do. But yeah, that's the thing when you take something so niche like mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to grow into what you want it to be and then of course if a pandemic comes along and right you know it takes all of your budget away then that's even harder but yeah i try to make it work yeah i know for a fact Bahamian the bahamas isn't particularly known for being like a skate country so to speak Definitely. um so i want to know like what's your background. I know your mother's Bahamian and your father is a German. So how did they meet? They, so my mother, she well, grew up in the Bahamas yeah. uh, from Andros. Then she moved to Nassau when she was 18. I think she went to the College of the Bahamas and then she went to the um, British Virgin Islands, like St. Thomas and right. studied there and had a job there and had a boss that was very like she gave her a lot of freedoms and she got a lot of time off and she always used that time off and saving her money to go to Europe. Yeah. Um, and then she worked as an au pair in the south of France and then she met some friends in Paris. And while she was visiting Paris, she met my dad. Jesus. And then... She's a locomotive. She just keeps... Yeah, so that's... Like I get a lot of that from my mother. Like she's, she's very worldly. Like right. she's seen a lot of the world and that's just it yeah right she was never gonna marry a bahamian <laughs> um and yeah so she ended up meeting a german guy in paris and uh, what did uh, she study by the way uh accounting oh yeah i think that's how she started out yeah based on how you describe her it seems like she has she is in a similar way to where you are, where she has the vision in her head yeah. and she's just going through the motions because she knows exactly where she wants to be. Well, I don't think it was that she exactly knew where she wanted to be. Like, I don't think growing up in the Bahamas, she was like, okay, I want to go to Europe and meet a German guy and yeah, 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 raise yeah. a family in Germany. And then my son is going to go to the Bahamas. And yeah, I don't think she saw that coming either. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was... Just the fact that she grew up here knowing that there's more to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was very fortunate as a kid because she worked for a German airline to travel around a lot because right, it was very right. cheap. And I got to see a lot of the world and I got to come to the Bahamas a lot and see mm-hmm. my family here. And um, 
I always wanted to know what it's like to live in the Bahamas. Right. And well, now that I know, I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I wanted to make that experience for sure. And that was the big driver behind the store okay. that I just wanted to, you know, bring the culture that I was raised with over here, but also yeah. take what the culture is like here um, and create something from that. That's, right. that's what I always wanted. So you say you travel a lot. I actually saw some of the pictures of you in like Dubai with the full um, get up on and you were in the desert and you were also in Antarctica, right? Yeah. What the hell are you doing in Antarctica? So yeah, my mother loves to travel yeah. for her um, 50th birthday. She won, like she wanted to see all seven continents. Mm. That was always her goal. And that's part of the reason why she worked for an airline. So she was able to, you know, be right at the source of, you know, right. getting getting to travel and getting a lot of discounts. So like going to Antarctica for normal people is super, yeah. super expensive. Yeah. But because she worked for an airline, because she worked in the travel industry, it wasn't that expensive. Like it was still right. pricey, but it like the two-week cruise from Argentina to uh, Antarctica and back cost her less than staying in the Bahamas in a hotel for a week. Jesus. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, she, yeah, really wanted to go. And because I helped her, like I, um, yeah, contributed a little money or I loaned her some money so she could go on the last cruise because that was actually the last cruise that went there. Yeah. Um, she let me come with her as opposed to going alone or taking yeah. my father because he's too German to travel, as she <laughs> says. He like he always wants to have a plan. My mother likes being spontaneous when she travels. So, right. yeah, she prefers traveling with me than with my father. How long were you all in Antarctica? Um, so, in total, it was like three or four days that we, we didn't actually go on land, unfortunately. Mm. So, technically, mm. she hasn't been to all seven continents, and I haven't been to all seven continents, but I've mm. seen the seventh continent, and yeah. that's... Really dope. Um, but yeah, so we went there in the summer, which is still pretty cold. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a great experience just to see so much ice. I can't believe it. I've never even been in snow, but you've seen where the snow comes from. Yeah. I don't know much about science, but I think that's where snow was created. No, that's not how snow oh, okay. happens. Okay. But that's, now I understand. That's sort of, I mean, so the North Pole. Is just ice, like yeah. there's no landmass. Yeah. And that's why I really when they talk about the polar caps melting and sea levels rising, it's more the North Pole that's affecting that than the South Pole because the South Pole still has land. And um but yeah, um still it's pretty bad that like I saw an iceberg just melt and crumble and I guess that was very I mean, I guess that's sort of normal in the summer in Antarctica right. because it, it isn't as cold as it usually is. Right. But, but it feels like a bad omen. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I've seen videos of those giant icebergs or those giant sheets of ice from Antarctica just falling into the water yeah. and the waves those create. Yeah. No, the, the one that I saw wasn't that big, but it was still yeah. pretty freaking big. There's a video of two guys trying to climb a giant iceberg and the iceberg starts to flip. They survived. But imagining myself there makes my skin crawl. In that specific scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So you are German Bahamian. So I want to know, like, what are some stark differences between Bahamians and Germans? Fill us in. I mean, the obvious one is just punctuality. Yes. <laughs> um, Germans like to be very on time. Germans mm. like to be very efficient and precise. And, you know, people in Germany complain about the German government and German bureaucracy, but it's a system that works. It takes mm -hmm. its time, but it works. And in the Bahamas, it's just like, I mean, I don't have to tell you, like you, you know yourself, like it just, yes. it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, Nothing gets done. It's it what we, like. it's what Bahamians call lackadaisical. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a genuine Bahamian. So like moving here, you know, you have the sort of, time difference adjustment but then like the adjustment to island time is even mm -hmm. harder but yeah and now my friends in germany complain that i'm never on time yeah how dare you <laughs> i know i know yeah but um yeah that's the biggest difference the weather um is a big difference too 
for sure. Like mm. having seasons, you know, having snow yeah. and like rainy days in here. It's just like even when it rains and then the sun comes out and yeah. 15 minutes later, it's like it never even rained. Um, yeah, like culturally, the thing is like, you know, the city I grew up in, Cologne, is a city that's more than 2,000 years old. And yeah. therefore, it has a lot of history. It has a lot of culture. And right. in the Bahamas, you don't really have a record of culture like that. No, there's nowhere to go to see, like, this is definitely a Bahamian place. Or yeah. this is where, even to say, this is where slaves grew up or slaves worked yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like even the bigger part of history here is colonialism. Right. You know? Right. And in Germany... So much has happened. Like you mm -hmm. had the Romans, you had, you know, the Germanics that then fought off the Romans. Right. Then, you know. There's a storyline to get behind. Yeah. Like, and country. it's a, it's a long storyline too. And then also like Neanderthaler. Yeah. Neanderthals. Um, you know, that's the early humans that was right in Germany. Right. And um, yeah, then of course, like. 20th century, yeah, you know, we're the big happened. villain. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that happened in Germany and here in the Bahamas, like especially when people visit here, mm -hmm. you know, the only story that's told is like Columbus came here and then yeah. the British were here. And 1492, Columbus lost his shoe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, of course, for a country to have unity, there needs to be like a backdrop to where that, foundation can be and then the people have something to get behind that this is what we are but being that the situation is what it is right now is it even possible to manufacture a history let's say would that be possible mm, i mean it takes time for history to develop and yeah. i feel like you know the bahamas just became independent in 1973 true like that's not a lot of time to really find yourself as a people mm. you know and especially like i had a conversation the other day with the german lady who lives here and you know sort of the things she told me about bahamian politics and how you know drug smuggling is something that shaped the bahamas so yes. much yeah um i don't know i find it really interesting that yeah. the bahamas really defines itself by or not defines itself, but is really shaped by other people coming to this country. Right. Um, while the Germans have very much, you know, found themselves and reinvented themselves over and over again. Like, you know, trying to build a new country after, you know, your country. It's been divided for so long. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting like on one hand having such a rich history and mm. then you know what i know of the bahamas is only well, growing up was only that it used to be british and yeah. then it's a popular tourist destination how long has the german states been unified uh since 1990 yeah so the wall came down in 89 and then it was unified in 1990 right. um but so that's a big debate in germany too is that East and West became West, you know? It wasn't like the two came together. It's more like, okay, we have to integrate right. this, you know, half of our country that was communist for 40, 50 years yeah. um, into our Western way of life. And that's why a lot of people in East Germany feel like they've been left behind. Like, you know about the history and you know about the, you know, tyranny of the Soviet Union and um, the socialist system. But, yeah, their history doesn't really matter anymore because right. now we're looking at what the West did, how the West Germany developed itself while East Germany stayed in the same place. And, um, yeah, that's why a lot of, you know, people from this socialist side are now going over to the far right, right. because they're like, you know what, Western politicians aren't doing anything for us. And we don't want to go back to left. No, so, no. You know, we want to go right. We don't want to go back to that hard left. Yeah. I've definitely read a lot about 
Russian communism, but I still have to read up more on the German story when they are. I mean, it is very, very much influenced by Russian communism because, you know, East and West was divided. The West, you know, was the British, the French, and the Americans. And then the East went to the Soviet Union. Hmm. And they put the people in place to run the country and told them how to run it. And then they basically lived off the Soviet Union. Um, So there isn't much of a difference. Like you had a big sort of, you know, surveillance of the people and trying to suppress anything that went against what the Russians wanted Germany to be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine with that, as with like a lot of communist states, there was always like starvation or there was always... It wasn't always. That's the thing. Um, Eastern or socialist countries were very self-sufficient. Okay. Until they weren't. Yeah. And then you couldn't go outside to get, you know, food or whatever, because it had to come from your own country, from your own yeah. political partners. Yeah. And, you know, you, you were raised to hate the West. And, yeah. Um, Never criticized the, the state. Yeah. So it's something that, that happens over and over again, because, you know, when you focus on one region only, and then, you know, you have a drought or you have floods or natural disasters or whatever, and you can't go outside for help or you don't want to go outside for help, then you're yeah. stuck with your problems. Right. And that's where a lot of socialist states failed. And then obviously, you know, if you don't have anything to eat, that's when people get upset, yeah. you know, and they try to force change. And in the end, like, especially through what was happening in East Germany and the fact that you had sort of this Western oasis in the middle of Eastern Germany mm-hmm. that you could either try to cross the border between East and West, or you yeah. could just cross the border in Berlin. Yeah. And then from Berlin, you could get to the West. Right. Um, that's what made a lot of people sort of see this opportunity. And that's what then sparked like the fall of the Iron Curtain that then the rest of you know like socialist countries communist countries saw okay we can force change like we can we can make a change right yeah yeah i've on the food point i've seen a picture of a sign created by the russian government this was during the peak of starvation in communist russia and they literally had to tell people like it's not okay to eat your children and it's kind of dark to think about. It's kind of funny in a way, but it is like, it's like a stark reminder of how that could turn out. Yeah. But that's a fish, an official decree. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know also, like, what benefits do you think, or what parts of German culture do you think Bahamians would benefit from? I know you said punctuality is one. Order. Order. Um. better fight against corruption <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah i mean the thing so that's sort of what the war and crisis in afghanistan has taught us like you can't just take one country's beliefs and take them somewhere else mm. um and yeah at the end of the day the bahamas needs to find its own way right and that's very hard when you have people empowered that refuse to give up power right and my mother compares it a lot to like a lot of african countries like even though i don't think you have that same that level of voter fraud to try to you know stay in power at the end of the day like they're spreading lies and trying to discredit the other side as opposed to doing better right and um that's something the Bahamas really needs to do is to strive to be better because yeah, in a um in a multi-party democracy, like people can vote for their representative and then mm. they have their representation in the Bundestag, like in government. 
Um, and here you sort of have the two big parties. And if one isn't doing well, everyone votes for the other one. And then it's just, yeah. it keeps going back and forth as opposed to, you know, having coalitions and trying to make a change so everybody who wants different things can sort of work towards a better Bahamas. Yeah. And here you don't, you don't really have that in the same way. And me and Dario was just talking about this the other day about like just brainstorming between ourselves ideas for what needs to happen to create some level of change locally. And it's it's like you get a feeling of numbness sometimes because what's to be done if the same two people backed by the same one person is going again and again and again. Yeah, I think education is a big part of it, but also like creating opportunities for young Bahamians. So that's the thing that bothers me the most is that like there's so much potential in the Bahamas, but there's no room to grow. Right. You know, exactly. Like, how are you ever going to like the, the the big reason why a lot of kids that study abroad don't come back because they know like other parts in the world are better, and like I don't feel like I can change anything, you know, because these old people are going to be in power until the day they die, and by the time right. I get there, like, what am I going to change? You know. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Like, how do you even start? Yeah. Because a lot of people here think like, okay, let me vote for the other party and see what they do. But really it needs a whole new start. But then how do you create this whole new start? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, education is a big part of it and educating people locally should be more important because, yeah, as I said, a lot of people go abroad and then they're like, you know what, I like it here better. I So I want to say something regarding that. I want to see what you think about it. Yeah. Okay. At first, I would have been like, see, seeing the problem of people not wanting to stay in the country because there's no opportunity to climb in the place where you were born. At first, I would have been like, you know, well, let's try to work with the system and see how we could stop it. But it seems like doing that in the in the way it's structured right now, it leads nowhere because the same people who have an interest against, who it's not particularly a vested interest in that happening, are not going to support it because it's like almost an incestuous relationship that they have with one another. So now my thinking is like, well, then just just let the shit hit the fan. Basically, if that's if people want to go away. Let's create opportunities for people to go away. But that's, and then... that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, you're going to have the same type of people that stay in the country. And that's this sort of um, employee mentality, mm -hmm. you know, like people in the Bahamas are like, okay, the government has to create a job for me. Either I work for the government or I work in a hotel. Yes. Yeah. And the government makes it so hard for people to start their own business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, how are you going to start your own business if you don't get an education? Like, mm -hmm. you're not going to run a successful business that's actually going to impact this country. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I really wanted to do because I did, like, see other parts of the world and have something to bring to the Bahamas. But then it's just the government made it so hard for me to come here in the first place. Yeah even harder for me to start my business here. Yeah. And then the cost of living is so expensive that I can't sustain myself properly to stay here. Yeah. So what, what has it been like running a business here? Like explain like any problems you've been having with the government or like what specifically makes well, it so Well, first of difficult. all, the fact that my mother's Bahamian and my father's German means I can't get citizenship. That's Yeah. Ridiculous. Like I, it's stupid. I don't even want to get into that even further because it just right. pisses me off how a country could be so stupid. Right. Well, not, you know, not the people, but the government, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, then trying to start a business here, I had to go, you know, I'd have my mother found the company for me and hire me so I could get a work permit. Um, even though... I'm entitled to a permanent residency. Exactly. And I don't get permanent residency because nothing gets done at immigration. Yeah. 
because I refuse to pay people off to do their job. Right. Um, and then, yeah, getting the business license was tricky too because, you know, they tell you you need all of this and you bring it to them and they're like, oh yeah, but you need that and that and that as well. Mm. And then you go and get that and they're like, well, you need to get this and this and that. Yeah. But um, by the time you've done that, you need to get some of the first things all over again because they've expired, you know, because too much time has passed. Um, so it ended up taking me two years to get all of that in order before I could do that. And then like customs, like, yeah, you know, people say, you know, we don't pay taxes in the Bahamas, but mm. if they don't tax you one way, they tax you another. And that's by consumer goods and right. because there is no local industry here and everything is imported. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, makes it super expensive to start a business because if you want to bring something in from the outside, like the government is going to make you pay. Um, so that was the hardest part, um, especially with the stuff that I'm bringing in, like products from Europe, you know, skateboards are expensive to ship mm -hmm. and that makes it expensive for me to sell. Yeah. Um, and then the risk associated with, you know, selling something that you have to pay 45% duty on is... Jesus Christ. Yeah. Very high. Um, so, yeah, I, I made the choice... Um, yeah, to sell a premium product here mm -hmm. and to go that route. And um, I forgot the point I was trying to make. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wanted to do something different. And I wanted to bring something different here. And that's why I assumed those risks. And I made the choice to put my store downtown on Bay Street where rent is super high. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so I had to focus on the tourist market because the local market wasn't going to be big enough to sustain all of this, what I was trying to do. Um, so yeah, when a pandemic comes or a hurricane comes and the tourists stay away, then yeah, yeah I'm paying all that rent and can't get it back because the local market is not big enough to pay Support for that. It. Yeah. Um, so like I fell into the same trap that most of the country has fallen into is that you're dependent on tourism mm -hmm. um and yeah i probably could have go, gone somewhere i don't know carmichael or palmdale or wherever to open up the store but then for me i thought the marketing cost like trying to reach the people would be so much harder and if i was downtown yeah. where there's a lot of visibility or where tourists come in like i'd be better off um Now, after two and a half years, you know, after a pandemic and the hurricane, I'm finally seeing that. But yeah, that was two and a half years of not being able to run a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. um, that is the reason why I, you know, now don't really have any more budget to grow in another direction. Like I keep having to sustain myself until I save enough to make some more investments. Right. Yeah, it's it's ridiculously hard to start a business yeah. and maintain a business just yeah. on the cost. And it seems like all of the stuff that all of that shit is almost like a sales funnel in a way to get you to do a backdoor. Hey, here's a couple of dollars to push this through. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. The Bahamas should do better than that. Definitely should. Really? I yeah. think that sentence has been said for the last like 30 years. Yeah. So, so, like, on skating, what has been, like, the public perception about it? So, talking to a lot of skaters that were skating before I opened up the store, um, you know, the police used to give them a hard time. Now that they sort of realize that tourists enjoy watching us skate downtown, <laughs> they leave us alone. Again. Like, yeah. If it's okay with the tourists, then that's okay with us. But... Um, Yeah, a lot of people also say like, oh, like skateboarding is a white people thing. Hmm. So odd. We have a lot of like, a lot of parts of that in our culture where it's just like, oh, you can't do that because that's the white 
people then you yeah can't, you can't talk a certain way because white people just say that yeah exactly and i mean that's the, the the thing about skateboarding not just in the bahamas but in america too like in the beginning we didn't have a lot of skaters uh black skaters because mm. it was a thing that started in the suburbs of california right um and then yeah if you had a black kid on the skateboard you know the other kids in the hood would say that bro we don't do that yeah because trying to be white yeah yeah um and it took a while for like some black skaters to come along you know you have your karim campbells you have your antoine dixon's um stevie williams right. a big one as well so that shows sort of changed the perception of skateboarding in the black community but obviously people don't see that here in the bahamas no so you know they'd see the tourists that might skate over here and then you see a couple of locals and they're like oh we don't do that in the bahamas but no. yeah so like ever since the store opened up that's definitely grown like there's been a lot more skaters over here mm. um yeah, yeah, it's getting bigger. And I think like the Olympics this summer, the fact that, you know, it was on TV, a lot yeah. of people were like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a real sport. Do you guys primarily skate downtown or do you guys skate all across the island? Mm, we do skate all across the island. The thing is downtown is central and everyone can sort of get there. Right. Um, so that's where like the biggest sessions happen but then you have some spots out in the east you have some spots out in the west and there's like big pond but downtown is like the most versatile like mm. there's different obstacles and it's for skaters of all abilities mm. um, so that's pretty pretty cool plus for me like the way I perceived skate culture like it's something that belongs in the inner city and that's why i wanted the store to be downtown and not somewhere right far away from you know decent roads yeah 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 well all uh all the craters in the road yeah where, yeah do you have like a spot book are you not a book it's like yeah. you know you know the spots yeah but yeah. also like and i feel like that's something we don't do enough in the bahamas is go around looking for spots mm. so i remember one time i was downtown with darren and lorenzo like two skaters and we just walked around looking for new spots right. um but we didn't skate them because it was dark and we always wanted to go back but we never did yeah but um yeah yeah i was thinking in terms of that like if you could spend like a weekend say and just take pictures of ideal skate spots and just have them in like a PDF or whatever you could just share out or yeah so there's there's apps for that and really mm. we should be taking the time to do that so people that use these apps and come to the Bahamas can see like oh we have a couple spots over here That's yeah nice. um I did actually download an app and I wanted to do that but I never mm. got around to it what's the name of that uh Shinner Schiller Shinner Shinner okay yeah so like when you hit your shins with your board. Okay. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. Oh, I don't skate. So <laughs> I got to invest in getting a skateboard. Um, I know those, because I've been doing a lot of research on skateboards. Uh, I don't see a lot of long boards or long borders down here. Is that? So there's a couple. Hmm. Um, the thing is, Longboarding isn't really, it's more for cruising than for creative expression. So right, for right. me, I always think that longboarders and skates, like skateboarders are two different types of people. Hmm. You do have a couple that, you know, are between those two worlds. Like they do tricks on their longboard and I find that very impressive. Hmm. But for me personally, I, I like, especially... You know, growing up in the city, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, but I spent time with my board in the right. city and I couldn't see myself on a longboard in the city. Right. Um, so you're much more agile on a skateboard. And in the Bahamas, like you don't have those perfect long sidewalks mm. where you could skate. And 
you know, Bahamian drivers, like I wouldn't want to be in the road. Yeah, they will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like a skateboard is better suited for the Bahamas and the way the Bahamas is, like the infrastructure is here. Mm. But there are longboarders out here that mm. know how to ride a longboard in the Bahamas. Right. So are there any, like, movements to be made for having a skate park down here? Or like a We're working on somewhere? it, but you know politics in the Bahamas. Politics, like, yes. Politics. Yeah, because you... My mother wants to open up a private skate park. Mm. But again, like her whole idea behind it is marketing it to tourists. Mm -hmm. And you definitely need that because the local market is too small to... Yeah, building a skate park is expensive. Yeah. Um, and getting the government to pay $400,000, $500,000 to build a skate park isn't easy and getting private funding like donations to build a skate park over here it's just not realistic like people have tried they haven't gotten anywhere we've had you know like ramps and stuff built and then the weather the humidity like ruins yeah. it so we're gonna keep trying but yeah yeah it's it's definitely a long long ways away where would it be optimally so, I mean, we did have Desmond Bannister approach us and say, okay, I don't know if it was after the Olympics or before the Olympics, but he, he had this lot out in Carmichael and Bel Air Heights hmm. um, that he wanted us to build a skate park for. So we did all the work and he won't give us a number of hmm. like what we can work with. And if we don't have a number, we can't design a final design. Right. So that's where it's been stuck at the moment i guess election season is part of the reason why we can't get a hold of him at the moment but yeah yeah so uh i'm curious like about the the people in our skate community is there like somebody who's considered the tony hawk of skateboarding here uh, i mean tony hawk is a very very yeah it's difficult to say so yeah. there's there's different characters for sure like lorenzo definitely is the most hard-working skater like he progresses he learns a lot of tricks he mm. jumps off things that others wouldn't dare to jump off but um yeah like there's definitely a couple of like the older generation of skaters that have a bag of tricks, mm -hmm. but that just don't skate as regularly as they used to just because. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're never too old to skate, but it hurts more <laughs> the older you get. Um, yeah. And then of course, if you have a job, like you don't have the and time kids for it. All that. But um, yeah, like there's, there's a lot of talented skaters out here and then, because um, Tony Hawk, he was sort of the, he led the way for skateboarding to become mainstream. Hmm. Um, but then Tony Hawk, he was also a vert skater. So like in the beginning you had, you know, pools and stuff, and then you had half pipes and then people got kind of bored of it. And hmm. that's when street skating became more popular. And you had all these vert skaters that then didn't have a place in skateboarding anymore because... Hmm. You know, nobody wanted to see it anymore. Nobody yeah. wanted to buy a fishtail board anymore, oh. you know? Explain vert skating. So vert is like, yeah, half pipes. Oh, okay. And bowls. And yeah, basically when you go oh, vertically. Yeah, a little, little yeah. curve. Right um, and then there's transition skating, skating too, which is like somewhere between the two. And yeah, nowadays you have a lot of... Um, you don't have the vert and the street skater anymore. A lot of people can do both. And um, yeah, in the Bahamas, we don't have that because we don't have any pools like uh, that. And yeah, yeah, we don't yeah, have yeah. a half pipe. So yeah, Our yeah. pools are like square. But um, I feel like skateboarding is just still too niche over here to really have someone who can draw more people into skateboarding. Like you have to, you know, you sort of, do have the kids that see someone on a skateboard and are like, oh, I want to do that too. 
but then like where are you going to go skate because your parents are not going to let you skate in downtown mm-hmm. on your own and yeah. your parents are not going to watch you skating downtown um so yeah the fact that you don't have a skate park where young kids can get into skating you really only have sort of the teenagers young adults that are like okay i want to skate and i'm going to skate with all these other people mm. that i met through skateboarding um but yeah you have to have an interest in skateboarding to mm. get into it here because it is so expensive to get into it and i find it so interesting you know through tiktok and youtube like a lot of kids here do want to get into skateboarding um and then they buy a board for 250 300 yeah and then you never see them again and yeah. i want like okay did you just buy a 300 toy yeah that you stopped playing with um yeah i always try to bring them into our whatsapp group so they do see okay there is a big scene and there's other people i can skate with but then a lot of people are like you know what um i don't feel like i'm progressing and i don't want to embarrass myself in front of all these skaters mm. um and then they yeah don't stick with we get that a lot too because um we do me and Dario do like salsa or whatever and sometimes you would run into beginners who want to do dancing and they so super excited and they imagine themselves dancing but then they think like if they come out people are just gonna be like oh what the hell what the hell is she doing she dancing like that when yeah. mm. it's that's never the case yeah like especially here in the bahamas it's like having another skater in the group like everyone's gonna welcome you with open arms because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of us right and um yeah but salsa dancing doesn't have the same level of investment right right to get into. Investment, yeah. so um yeah i find it i find it interesting that that's why you know you have to be careful what i say about my customers <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of people that can afford a skateboard just yeah. to try it out and if they don't like it like you know it's not going to be a big deal to them but yeah then you have the other kids that really want to get into skateboarding and they can't afford a board mm-hmm. so they borrow someone else's board and they try to save up but you know that's expensive it's yeah. not something you can do easily so yeah i wish that i could sell these skateboards any cheaper than i do but yeah customs mm-hmm. so why is it do you think that so many of us over here are like, I want to do this, but then they go say X, Y, Z about me. Well, that's not just over here. That's everywhere. Right. And the thing is, because I had the same sort of issue when I started skating in Germany, I started skating at 18. Hmm. And I think I went to the skate park one time with a friend of mine and I saw all these people shredding and then I was in the corner trying to learn to Ollie and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna not come here anymore. Yeah. And then yeah, I mostly skated at night in empty parking lots until I had a trick or two down. But yeah, if you don't have sort of that group of friends that, you know, skates regularly and that sort of looks out for you at the skate park, mm. like, you know, you might get roasted yeah, or something. Yeah, not just that you get roasted, but it's like this etiquette to skating in a park too. And if you don't know that and no one teaches you that, like huh. those skaters, like, you know, uh, they're not the most polite. Right. So when they're like, you're in the way, they're not like, can you get out of the way, please? It's like, so get the get fuck, the out, fuck of out of here. Yeah. So, and that scares a lot of people off too. Um and I had the same problem with my girlfriend. Like she bought a skateboard like before she met me, but she never, you know, wanted to skate. And then I tried to take it to the skate park and she's just too shy to try to learn how to ollie in front of other people. Uh-huh. And yeah. So how do you catch people like, okay, you have a person who wants to do skating and maybe they you do- have to be goal oriented. Yeah. And that's the thing that, so Lorenzo started skating a lot later than most people, but he he saw tricks online and he's like, I want to do that. And mm-hmm. rather than thinking, okay, like this is so hard, I could never do that. Like he kept pushing forward mm-hmm. to make it. So you need a certain mentality to be a skater. Right. Because yeah, riding in a park is easy, but 
riding in the streets like it you need a certain level of ability mm -hmm. um and if you don't see yourself making that progress to be able to skate like that like you're never gonna be a skater yeah and um yeah you sort of do have these like especially girls getting into skateboarding now you have some that are like oh it looks so cool i want to do that and then they're like oh this is hard like and give up yeah and then you have the other girls that are like oh i want to skate just like them mm -hmm. so she keeps pushing and work every day yeah you know i scraping my yeah exactly and yeah you just need that mentality to be a skater so like i i can't make people better skaters right. you know with the equipment i sell or whatever like it, you have to want it and if all you want to do is look cool on a skateboard then you know it maybe ain't. don't yeah. buy a skateboard from here so i can have some stuff to sell to people that actually right. want to do it exactly because it's too it's impossible to change their personality that's not mm -hmm. what the story is you're trying to sell to people who really want to skate well i do want to yeah i do want to get more people into skateboarding but yeah. i just find it such a shame when people give up mm -hmm. you know because skateboarding is hard work like it took me a year and a half to learn to ollie properly mostly because i didn't skate consistently uh -huh. but it's like yeah like riding around is easy but actually progressing in skateboarding takes a lot of hard work and yeah some t people take longer than others but you just have to stick with it Hmm. Yeah. How long have you been skating now? Seven years. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not that long because a lot of most people I know they've been in Germany, like they've been skating a lot longer. They started a lot earlier, and that was sort of the the thing too. Like when you start skating at an early age, you don't worry about what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you're 18 and you're like, okay, especially here the. Like, if I get injured, I can't run the store because I don't have someone else to sort of cover for me. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stick to low-impact skating. Huh. Um, so, yeah, I don't really jump off high, things like yeah. that anymore. Because, yeah, to me, like, skating isn't about doing the craziest tricks. It's about progressing, you know, setting yourself a goal and working towards it. And that's, yeah, that's the way I do it. That's your skating philosophy. Yeah, I respect that because I think that that mentality is transferable to all. Definitely. Um, so that's also. what a lot of skaters say too. Like skateboarding has taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people it gives them more confidence because they know, okay, if I work hard for something, I can do it. And for mm -hmm. other people, it's like, you know, I... Yeah, just this 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 reward for putting in the work. That's something that pushes a lot of people, and that's like you know what, I know how long it took me to ollie, so mm. it's gonna take me a while until I can play the guitar properly. For example, yeah. you know. Exactly. What skills are you trying to learn? I mean, outside of skating. Mm. It's hard to say. I mean. I want to speak more languages. Yeah. I know we talked about that. I know you want to speak Japanese. Yeah. You got the text I sent you, right? Yeah. I yeah. didn't look at it, though, because I was working on the book. How dare you? Um, <laughs> yeah. As I said, I have a lot of projects lined up, and I feel like... Right. Like, yeah. But um, other than that, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. And, mm. like, I already do a lot of things, and... Yeah. I just want to do those things that I do better. Mm -hmm. Like I don't really need to learn a new, new skill. So you know, for example, the book that I'm working on on Bahamian skate culture, like I've been writing for a while. Like I know how to lay out a magazine, but I always did that with other people, and now I'm taking the lead in doing all that. So tell us about the book. So it's yeah. So ever since I opened up the store, like I've been taking photos of skaters um mm. sort of documenting the scene and sort of the influence that i've had on bahamian skate culture and um yeah i got a lot of photos mostly i used them to post on instagram but then i did an exhibition with three skaters um, who also do photography and sort of saw that 
a lot of people that came to the store just for the photos uh, were interested in the skate culture too. And I figured, you know, we should we should do a book mm-hmm. about skate culture and then sort of the way that we see the Bahamas. To, you know, the, the, the ultimate goal of the book is to show people in Germany what skateboarding is like in the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, and But not just skateboarding, but culture in general. So right. even though we don't have like this huge history in the Bahamas, we do have our own way of living over here. And that's what I wanted to show. And, um, you know, each of us, like the four people working on this project, we have our own perspective on the Bahamas. So that's what we're going to do with each of us, like an individual chapter on how we see the Bahamas. And then just a compilation of skate photos that we've taken. And then like three portraits of the three skaters that came like the first three skaters to come into my store and that was um lorenzo darren and sasha um yeah because like watching their progress from the day that they walked into my store and yeah to what they've become now like has just, to be exciting yeah mm. very much so i'm i'm looking forward to that book when is it coming out october november ish yeah we were supposed to have it finished by today but huh. you know people in the Bahamas yeah by Bahamian time yeah (laughs) stick to deadlines like that but um, yeah yeah so we're gonna finish this book like I'll as the German in this project I'll make sure yes you gotta throw in you gotta throw the whole bottle of German inside of that project I feel like I'm talking down to Bahamians a lot. That's not my intention, but Max I mean, loves Bahamians. Yeah, but I feel like most Bahamians know that. Um, yeah, you know the stuff that I criticize, you see it too. Yeah, Bahamians say it too, and Bahamians like to go like, you could talk shit about this, but only we could talk shit about this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm but he half is Bahamian, Bahamian, even though the government doesn't see it that way. Like, of course, which is again idiotic. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to when this book is coming out. What's going to be the name of it? Tonshu, the one and only skate shop in the Bahamas. Tonshu. I say that correctly? Yes. Tonshu. Excellent. Max, this has been an awesome time getting to know you. Thank you for having me. I still have like a million other questions I'd like to ask, but next time when we meet up, it's going to be epic. Thank you for listening to Never Have I Ever Podcast.